0: Hi, I'm Dan, I'm a photographer, father and husband and this is the Booze Break Podcast. This is the show for people like me who find themselves stuck in a loop of drinking more often and in more quantity than they'd like. You're welcome to follow me on my journey to change my relationship with booze and explore ways in which to live a more productive, healthy, fulfilling and alcohol-free lifestyle. Welcome to the Booze Break Podcast. is a diary of my journey taking a break from alcohol as well as looking into different ways to help sustain a break from the booze. We'll be going into the ups and downs as I circumnavigate my way through work, family life and social situations without the hooch. I'll be delving into the benefits of living booze free and tackling subjects such as social pressure, health, identity and alcohol representation in the media. Just a quick warning, there's likely to be some choice language and adult themes peppered throughout this series, so if you're easily offended or have children within earshot, you've been forewarned. Full disclaimer up front, I'm not an expert in any of these fields. My opinions are purely based on my own experiences and a little research. I also want to make it clear that I do not judge anyone based on their relationship with alcohol. Do what you want, drink what you want. But if you're like me and want to change your relationship with booze, whether that be to stop completely, uh, take a break, or just cut down. You're welcome here. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Booze Break podcast. If you're on a booze break, how's it going? I'd love to hear from you. I'm getting a ton of messages from people sharing their stories, and I'm loving speaking to you guys. If you want to reach out, uh, head over to the website, which is boozebreakpodcast.com. From there, you can use the contact form and send me a message. There'll be also links to my Instagram and my Facebook where you can leave a comment or drop me a message on there. I'd love to hear from you. So just a quick update. It is day 28 of my booze break journey so far. It's flown by. I can't believe it's nearly a month. A quick update on me. Uh I've become a morning person. Who knew? Uh 6 a.m. most mornings is is when I wake up um feeling fresh, uh and you know, enjoying it. I'm finding I have a lot more motivation in the morning and a loads more focus. Um I can get stuff done. Um, I'm enjoying you know, getting motivated and actually doing some work in the mornings and, and finding myself just being really productive. I'd listen to podcasts where, you know, you get people on there that were, you know, getting up at half four in the morning because that's when, you know, it was their time to be productive and, and get stuff done and I just didn't believe it. It wasn't my thing. Um, but I get it now. I totally get it. I'm not sure I could get up at half four every morning, but um yeah, six is cool. I'm still losing weight. It's coming off a little slower now, but it's still happening. I'm still losing some weight. I'm actually starting to sort of catch myself in the mirror and, and notice a big difference. Uh, you know, most people that see me probably wouldn't notice a huge difference, um, but uh, I can feel it. I definitely feel like I'm broader on the top than in the middle, if you know what I mean, uh, these days. So that's got to be a positive. Uh, less of a beer gut. Still there, but it's less, which is good. Still saving money as well, Uh, £277 so far. That's what I've saved in 28 days of not drinking, which is extortionate, isn't it? That's crazy. Um, And apparently, thanks to my clever app that I've got, I have passed on 138 drinks, which is insane. Um, I've also been engaging a lot more in the one-year no-beer community recently, and that's been a huge part of my success. I swear the first post that I did there was day one of, of my challenge I actually signed up for a 90-day challenge um, which was kind of the start of my kind of booze break journey and I swear there was like 120 comments or something ridiculous uh, it was such a buzz everyone's just super energetic and enthusiastic about kind of sharing this journey with each other and there's people on there that have you know they've not drank for four years some people are, you know just taking out uh, you know a 28-day challenge just because they want to have a little break and see if they can moderate from from then so you know it's a fantastic place i actually signed up for the 90 day challenge on there um when i started this booze break and i had tons of support from Ruri and andy who are like the co-founders of uh, one year no bear as well as all the people in the community they've all been fantastic especially through this this first month which for most people is the most challenging i guess um i get an email every single morning uh, with a video sort of highlighting tips or useful strategies to use throughout the day and that's been, a, you know, watching that in the morning has been a, a really positive way to sort of start my morning routine. You know, I'm, I'm on to a winner straight away. I know what I'm going to do. If there's actions that I need to be doing, um, you know, that's been recommended by Ruri or, or Andy, then, you know, I, I can do those. A lot of it's very motivational and, and really interesting. And uh, they're only about sort of a minute, two minutes long sometimes. So it's just a really nice way to wake up and just crack on with the day. I love One Year No Beer so much that I actually reached out to them recently and they kindly agreed to help support me in the podcast, which I'm so grateful for. So if you're interested in following in my footsteps and taking on a 28 day, 90 day or 365 day challenge, you can actually head over to my website and on the homepage, there'll be a One Year No Beer banner. You can actually click on this and you can sign up for a challenge. I highly recommend One Year No Beer. Um, And by signing up through my website, you'll be helping support the show and me, which would really mean a lot. So if you're up for taking on the challenge, either 28 days, 90 days or 365, you can just follow that. There'll also be a link in the show notes of the podcast. Um, If you don't know what the show notes are, it's usually you can kind of like on Spotify, you can kind of click and it kind of gives you like a description. There'll also be show notes on uh, my website. So, if you actually go to my website and go to episodes, um, there's show notes under every single episode on there as well. So, you can check those out. There'll be helpful links. Sometimes there'll be links to stuff that I'm talking about, but there'll be a link to uh, One Year No Beer where you can sign up for the challenge. So, uh, yeah. So, let's move on to today's topic. And I've been so excited um, about this topic and I've been researching it like crazy. I spent way longer than I needed to on this episode. Um, but today, we're talking about identity, specifically. How drinking becomes a part of how we see ourselves, how the media influences our identity, and do we need to change our identity to help sustain a break from the booze? So let's get to it. So what is identity? To start to understand your own identity, you can run a little experiment by asking yourself, just who am I? Aside from just stating your name, the following nouns that come out of your mouth Um, uh, will form how you perceive your identity. Your values actually uh, also factor into your identity, uh, such as things like ambition, confidence, uh, having a caring nature and other adjectives like that. However, without doing any real self-evaluation or development, we rarely have a deep conscious thought or power over how our identities are formed. It happens over years and it's in a constant state of evolution. Also, external factors play a, a huge role in how we form our identities, such as our environment, you know, how where we grew up, um, friendship circles and past experiences, things like that. We also acquire values from external sources, such as our parents and the media. Uh, so they play a big role in in sort of how we form our identities over the years. So I'll start with me. So how did I identify myself specifically before taking a booze break? Well, several factors went into my identity. And I've kind of thought about this for a while. Um, So I'm a photographer. You know, I've been a photographer since I was 16, straight out out of school. I went into studying photography, two years at college, three years at university, and I've worked in photography ever since. I'm a business owner. I've, you know, I've owned my own business ever since 2012. So what's that, eight years, something like that. So um, you know, that, that plays a huge role in, in kind of how I perceive myself and my personality. Uh, you know, when, you know, if if someone asked me, you know, just about myself, one of the first things I would say is, well, I'm Dan, I'm a photographer. Um, I'm also a husband. Uh, me and my wife got married again in 2012. So, uh, you know, being a husband plays a role in my identity. Uh, I'm also a teacher. I teach photography and video production at college. Um, that's quite a new thing for me, but it's started to become, again, part of my identity. I I like to, I quite like to introduce myself as a teacher. makes me sound clever. Uh, But when my daughter came along, I then identified as a father, uh, maybe even a cool father. Who knows? Um, probably not, but I liked the idea of identifying myself as someone who was, I don't know, cooler. So, um, you know, you're kind of constantly changing and evolving your identity as you go through life, you know? But I also identified as a drinker. This latched onto other parts of my identity as well. So it was almost like a a symbiotic relationship. So I was a photographer who took his clients out for drinks and would sometimes get drunk with them until, you know, one in the morning. Uh, there's been quite a few occasions where we've done that. Um, I kind of identified as the cool photographer and I'm using cool in inverted commas, Um I was the photographer, you know, that would be shooting your wedding and there's pictures of me with a camera in one hand and a pint in the other. And I liked that. I personified that. I was trying to be this kind of rock and roll photographer, you know. Um, I thought it made me special or unique and it, it totally didn't. Um, alcohol even attached um, onto my identity as a lecturer. I would bond with my older students that were obviously 18 and, and over. Uh, cause I, I teach sort of all ages from 16 onwards um I'd bond with these guys over their stories of like partying over the weekend and you know if I posted a picture of me tucking into a a beer you know on Instagram I would get comments from my students like legend or yes dan or something like that you know uh which you know it, again it's it's kind of you know it seems harmless but what kind of example is that setting for future generations of creatives you know um yeah, you can see how drinking attaches itself to things that you really care about and the things you cherish. Like I love being a photographer. I love being a teacher. Again, alcohol attached itself to my identity as a parent, uh, which sounds, you know, counterintuitive, but I would be the one in the WhatsApp group saying, pass me the gin when my daughter was playing up. Um, You know, your your identity could be multi-layered and take on factors such as your career, your goals, your personality and Um, And and drinking kind of became a part of that for me. But like I said, identity is something that evolves over time. Your identity when you're a teenager probably isn't the same as it is now. Although uh, there may be elements that have remained, like I still dress as kind of like a skater, um, even though I haven't skated for years and I was always crap at it anyway. Um, And when I was a child, I didn't identify as a drinker and I didn't identify with people in my life or in media that were drinking. It just wasn't on my radar. But this came later in life when more external sources related to drinking, such as things like my peers and, you know, the stuff that I was watching on TV. I was probably consuming more media that was centred around sort of drinking culture. Um, And media uh, plays a massive influence on how people identify themselves. Social media has a big role uh, to play in influencing our actions so how many, how many times have you seen images on your feed of your friends seemingly having a great time with a drink in their hand? Um, I've been in situations where we've, you know, I've been in an event and, you know, someone's gone to take a, a picture of a group of us and, um, you know, uh, someone in the group has gone, hold on, wait, and they've gone to grab their drink so that they can have it in the picture and I'm, there's got to be a lot of psychology behind that. Like, wh- what was the what was the need? What was the point? Does that mean you're having a better time because you've got a drink in your hand? Are you saying something about yourself? I, I'm not qualified to answer those questions, but it struck me then that was like, you know, why did you do that? Why you did why did you need to to get a drink for the photo? You know, um, interesting. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it was just something that popped into my head. I just want to take a quick break to let you guys know about my Patreon. So if you're liking the content that you're listening to uh, on the Booze Break podcast, you can actually show your support by going over to the Booze Break website, which is boozebreakpodcast.com. Right at the top there, there's a little button that says donate. You can click on there and it goes straight to my Patreon page. This is where you can actually pledge a sum per month to help support the the show and me first of all that's really generous and and thank you but also you do get um some benefits to that as well different tiers that you can um, go to there's actually this legend warrior and godlike behemoth with the legend tier, which is just seven pound fifty a month uh, you can actually get access to new episodes before they get released on their official release dates and uh, you can cancel this at any point of course you're not tied into anything necessarily with the uh, warrior tier, which is £15 a month, you get early access to the episodes, you get a, a coveted booze break sticker and access to the private Facebook group for people who are on a booze break and, and want to join a community and help support each other um, with, you know, with positivity and hints and tips. And then you've got godlike behemoth, which is £30 a month. If you donate that, you're an absolute star and, and I can't thank you enough. With this, you get early access to episodes, you get a shout out on one of my podcasts, uh, you get the Booze Break sticker, you get access to the private Facebook group, and you also get an epic Booze Break t-shirt as well. So any support that you guys could give would mean a huge amount to me. Uh, notoriously, podcasts don't don't earn a great deal. So any bit that you can give would would make a huge difference and it just keeps me motivated and, and able to be producing content and taking the time out to do research and and put these episodes out so I thank you back to the episode advertising and media play a key role in informing and justifying our relationship with alcohol for sure Um, whether we want to admit it or not advertising has a massive effect on our behaviors Um, there's masses of studies around this area and millions are pumped into marketing for alcohol with some of the best psychologists and advertising gurus we may watch an advert um, with our and with our conscious mind um, state that we don't feel impelled to go out and purchase that product. But our subconscious is more susceptible to the messages and meanings embedded within media. Um, it responds to the messages making comments on our masculinity, our creativity, our desire to fit in. I did a quick Google search um, and I I searched for the most expensive commercials ever made. I just wanted to do a bit of research into marketing. And three of the top 10 most expensive commercials ever made were alcohol brands, which is astonishing. Um, The most expensive of these was actually Guinness, which really surprised me. I didn't think Guinness was that, I'm, I'm probably just being naive, but I just didn't think Guinness was that well known across the world you know, compared to other brands. But yeah, so Guinness was the most expensive at sixteen million dollars. Okay. I think um that was a like it was something like a maybe like a two minute video. Sixteen million dollars they spent on this commercial. It's crazy. And Annie Grace put it perfectly in, in her book, This Naked Mind. Um they wouldn't spend that kind of money if it didn't work. So obviously marketing, advertising it it does have an effect on us whether we like it or not. So I was on YouTube and I was kind of just researching advertisements kind of around alcohol and stuff. I just wanted to get like a sense of what was out there. So I stumbled across this advert on YouTube for a, um, I won't name them, but they're a very popular brand of whiskey. Wherein a story played out about two brothers who were on a journey. Okay, I'll set the scene. So there was a a beautiful poem being read with soft piano music while these brothers travelled through what looks like the Scottish Highlands. Um, There were depictions of joy, adventure, banter, struggle. It was a whirlwind of emotions. So the brothers find themselves in this um, old rundown barn on this this journey. Um, They're cold. um, They're unable to light a fire. And just out of the blue, one of the brothers pours out these two glasses of this popular whiskey brand. And they huddle together against a a wall in like a, a tender moment of peace, being comforted by their little dram of whiskey. Spoiler alert, it turns out that one of the brothers is actually dead in a kind of Dead Man's Shoes-esque twist. I'm so sorry if I've spoiled the plot of Dead Man's Shoes. It's a great movie, and you should have seen it by now. It came out in 2004. But getting back to the point, the story was so touching. I was so moved by it. Even though I came into it with critical, um, you know, kind of a, a critical mindset, I couldn't help be moved by it, you know? It really touched me because this, you know... Because you know one of these guys was you know was actually dead, and um, at the end the, um, you know what this the, the the brother pours the you know the the, the ashes of, of of you know of this dead guy uh, over the cliff, and it was really touching. Um, so you know there were deep connections that most people could have made to this touching tale. Um, The the video was thick with Scottish references, for sure. Um, These references would have made any Scottish national shed a tear. Um, I'm certain of it. Uh, There were references to loss, to struggle, to triumph, to bonding, adventure, new beginnings. uh, The list just goes on. The reason why I'm saying this is that as consumers, um, consciously or subconsciously, Um, we buy into these values on some level, uh, especially when they resonate with our own identity and values. So if you identify as Scottish, um, then the heritage of this popular whiskey brand that's obviously Scottish um, might speak to your patriotism, for instance. Um, You know, this almost like a uh, an identity around Scotland, you know, that revolves around whiskey. It's like kind of like the national drink. And um, I get it, you know, I totally get it. It's, you know, it's, it, on some level, it, you know, as, as a nation, it's something to be proud about, you know, in terms of commerce um, and to some extent craft. And then if you identify as someone who's suffered loss, then this advert might suggest that raising a glass of their popular product uh, will somehow help your healing. Now, I'm not saying that this is, you know, this is bad or evil. You know, marketing is marketing. Um, you know, it's everywhere. It's in every product. And although there is potentially an argument to be had that alcohol advertising should potentially go the way that advertising cigarettes was, um, and, you know, that got banned, I think, in 2002. I think it's a bit a bit skeptical about the, the dates on that. But uh, that's a whole other topic uh, in general. But what I am saying is that media plays a role in how we shape our identities and we should be aware of this, we should be ready for this. You know, beer doesn't make you inherently masculine and Chardonnay doesn't make you inherently feminine, but we've all experienced people, marketing and general societal norms that have hinted to the contrary, you know? So what we absorb in the media uh, can have a, a big impact on how we form our identities over time. And if most of the media you consume is promoting the consumption of alcohol, uh, then this is going to affect your perception of your drinking habits. When you add this to other factors such as peer pressure or beer pressure, uh, past experience and social norms, it's no wonder that many people identify as a drinker. So what happens when we change our identity? So it becomes apparent that um, to change our habits and relationship with booze, we have to consider adapting our own identity uh, to one that doesn't hold drinking so high in our values. Um, It's likely going to be difficult to sustain a healthy and positive booze break if you still identify as someone who's a drinker, for instance. Think about the bigger picture. What kind of person do you want to be down the line? What core values can you attribute to this identity? Do you have a grand goal in mind? For instance, when I was doing this exercise myself, I looked at my own life and decided that I wanted to be the best father I could be. I want to be the dad that's full of energy, who is emotionally available, and who's patient. You know, patience is, is a is a thing that I really struggled with when you know back when I was drinking, because I was tired all the time and I you know I didn't have the mental capacity to deal with two or three things at a time, um, and you know it, it, it wears you down. Now, I don't really have that issue, or certainly not as much. I want to be more athletic. Um, I want to be faster on my bike. I want to be able to keep up with the big boys on a group ride. I want to wake up early on a Sunday morning and have the energy and motivation to get out on my bike and enjoy thrashing around the beautiful English countryside. I also want to be successful in my career. This means being more productive, more focused, more creative. You know, These are the things that I that I now value more in my life. And I couldn't visualize a scenario where regular drinking would give me any positive edge on any of these values. Now, I know that some of you out there have been through struggles and trauma in your life. These experiences can often lead to finding comfort and relief through alcohol. Um, I think we've all experienced that to some extent. Um, This can absolutely imprint in your identity and your personality uh, and form your sense of self but you can totally flip, reverse this loop of thinking. So can you move on from this? Can you take responsibility and change the story, flip it on its head? Um, so, I mean, let's, I'll give you scenarios. So let's say you were fired from a job and that completely wrecked your self-worth. Um, so you turn to booze to help numb these emotions, you know, you've, um, Uh, You know, potentially even try and boost your confidence a little bit, but only to find that uh, it's a temporary fix with long term negative results, feeding anxiety and depression in the long term and certainly the next day. So can you change this view and conclude that, yes, you were fired from a job, but this has fueled you to never be in that situation again? And through personal growth, you're now determined to make a positive change and begin a new career that gives you satisfaction and a higher sense of worth. Um, This same method of kind of flip reversing, flipping on his head uh, can be applied to your identity surrounding drinking, for instance. So you might decide that you no longer identify as a person who drinks uh, a little too much in the week, binging Netflix until late in the night and waking up for work with a boozy funk kind of hanging over you, uh, leading to you underperforming in your role and generally going through the motions of life. Instead, you decide that you're now the person that goes to bed at half 10 to be up at half six. Well rested and out for a run before work, maybe where you crush it every day because you're awesome at your job and can run circles around your peers because you have this steely determination and focus of someone who doesn't need booze. So your identity will define your actions and your actions will enforce your identity so it's like a you know self-perpetuating cycle so you start with your goals uh, visualize who you want to be begin to act like that ideal version of yourself it's a kind of form of faking it until you make it I guess the longer you do this the more ingrained and natural your new identity becomes it's a very powerful thought process It's, it's, it's exciting stuff So do we need to leave behind individuals and certain social situations as part of evolving our identity? This is a really difficult concept uh, that we may have to come to terms with at some point. I know I have. So what about your friends who you've grown up with and formed tight bonds around drinking rituals with? Um, You know, people are drawn to like-minded individuals. You know, if you identify as confident, thoughtful and ambitious you will naturally give off an energy that embodies this. Your body language, the way you dress and general demeanor will express these qualities and other like-minded people will be drawn to you. Likewise, if you embody an identity that's broken, self-criticizing and destructive, you'll be drawn to others of a similar nature and them to you. It's kind of herd mentality, plain and simple, really. With this in mind, there might be a scenario where changing your identity, habits and general outlook on life might mean that you naturally become more distant to others you associated with previously and form new social circles that share your new values. This is a hard thing to accept, but in most circumstances will be necessary to break away from destructive drinking rituals and developing a healthier lifestyle. This doesn't mean that you unfriend everybody in your social circle who drinks, you know, that you you don't need to do that at all. But if a part of your identity was to go and get bladdered after a football match, then maybe it's time to suggest a new post-match ritual to your friends, uh, especially if you're no longer comfortable in these situations. If they're good friends, they'll understand and support you, maybe with a bit of ribbing, but eventually they'll come around. But if that's not an option, or you know, if that doesn't become the case, then perhaps it's time to engage with new people, you know, uh, who more closely resemble your shiny new values. This may only be for a short transitional period while you adjust to this new you and while you you know, especially earlier on when you, you know, getting through things like cravings and and stuff. And as you become more desensitized to these kinds of things, um, you can kind of loosen your grip on this, you know, like new idea of Um, you know, kind of distancing yourself from the things that trigger you. In fact, it may not be necessary at all, but it's something that you might have to face at some point, this this idea of uh, potentially leaving people or elements or social situations behind, at least for a short while, um, while you kind of take this booze break. And um, it's something you need to work out for yourself. So adapting your identity and the part of you that Personified as a drinker can have a massive impact on your outlook on life, and will make your booze break a total breeze. I promise. I did it. It's it's made a huge difference. I feel so much more positive. Um, it sounds a bit kind of airy fairy, but it, it genuinely works. You know, you so you think of the person that you want to be. You think about these values. You have a bit of a reevaluation of who you want to be in the future. You start to act like that person. It's bizarre, but. Um, there's been loads of studies around it and it, and it makes sense. You know, if, if you, if you believe you're a person who, I mean, I don't like to talk about money, but let's say you're a person who, uh, personifies who wants to person, personify as a person who is earning a hundred grand a year. Um, uh, you know, if you f- fully commit yourself to that identity, you're way more likely to actually do it than not. You know, if you, if you identified as, as, as someone who doesn't, you're less likely to, you know, to achieve those goals. Um, so it's, it's the first step, you know, and I, I genuinely think it's that fake it until you make it thing. If you start living that life, it will just start to come to you. It will start to become natural. And before you know it, your kind of persona has not necessarily changed, but adapted and it's evolved into something different. And I think that's not a bad thing. If you can adapt into a person that's more positive, more energetic, more focused, more healthy, surely that's got to be a good thing, you know, especially while you're embarking on this booze break like I am. Um, You know, even if if, even if that's just for a short period of time, even if, if that's just for 100 days, just to kind of break away from the that kind of habit cycle of, you know, let's say daily drinking like like I was. And if your aim is to get to a point where you are, you know, moderating your drinking, if you're, you know, getting to a point where, you know, um, when you go come through the other end, you are, have a better relationship with alcohol. And perhaps it's more of a, I don't know, a special occasion thing or a once every now and again type of thing. Um, then that can be a be a, a part of your new identity as well. You know, it's just about kind of resetting and switching things up a little bit. So think about who you are now, and who you want to be. Focus on these goals live that life uh, and see what amazing results you can achieve. But for now, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the Booze Break podcast. I've been Dan and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.